The History of Literature podcast is a member of the Podglomerate Network and Lit Hub Radio. Hello, I'm Jack Wilson. Welcome to the History of Literature. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today. I'm going to be joined by Mike, the president of the Literature Supporters Club. We're going to be looking at the lyrics of Prince. I'm sure you're aware that we lost Prince a few weeks ago. He was the musician of a generation. It happens to be my generation. He was the musical talent, the musical genius of my generation. I think that's undisputed. But was he the voice? Maybe his guitar was. What about his words? Were his lyrics poetry? Prince and his lyrics, today on the History of Literature. What's your conception of Prince? Was he important to you uh, at any time during your life? He was not as important as the Smiths Ah, or the police or the Beatles. But I feel like for our generation, he sort of filled that role that maybe David Bowie did for for the generation, you know, above us. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, freewheeling, um, willing to break barriers, just, you know, complete lack of self-consciousness. Right. That was probably for an adolescent incredibly refreshing and he almost like like david bowie he he and probably even more so he almost transcended what it meant to be human in some way like i almost it was almost like he was a god or a uh, a spirit or it's one of the things that i enjoyed as i was going back through all of his lyrics is just remembering that he was actually a, a human being and especially the the songs where the lyrics would refer back to things that made it seem like he had a summer job or something. And it was like, (laughs) wow, this is Prince. You know, you just think of him as, as living such a, uh, such a pop star existence. But even beyond that, I mean, he, he didn't have a name for a while and he, he just seemed to take everything into a, a, an ethereal realm that only he belonged to. And, and part of that was probably just because of his talent. It just seemed like the talent was, almost like it couldn't be contained in a human being that it it just was uh genius pouring out of him and and i've i've heard it said that he's you know when we lost prince we lost our greatest guitarist our greatest producer our greatest singer our greatest songwriter our greatest musician our greatest pop star you know we lost all of that in one person and and what struck me and the reason why i thought it would be interesting to do this show is nobody says we lost our greatest lyricist and it kind of made me think, what do we think of Prince's lyrics and what do we, what did we get from them? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a, a ninth grade poetry teacher who told me that um, lyrics were, were poetry and that right. we, should, we should hold them to that higher standard. And it, it was funny because usually for me, the music... Uh, is the most important thing. I I, I kind of don't care about the lyrics. If the lyrics right. are are good, I I enjoy them. But there was something about Prince's lyrics that were so in your face that you know I I, I it made me it made me stand up. Like I was I was looking at some of his old lyrics from 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 an older song. You you got the look. Mm, yep. 
the the lyrics are you got the look you must have took a whole hour just to make up your face baby <laughs> did i say an hour <laughs> and i i was thinking I was, and, and the rest of the song is just ridiculous it says like <laughs> your your face is is jamming your your body's hecka slamming and <laughs> You know, I was thinking he was probably having a pretty good time right. coming up with these lyrics. Yep. Uh, and he, you know, I, I read that when he was 17 or 18, he was offered um, a record deal and he turned it down because he wanted to produce his yes. own Yes, he talked about that on that. Yeah. There's a great clip of him on American Bandstand where he's talking to Dick Clark and he's barely talking to him. I mean, he's so shy that... Uh, he could barely answer the questions, but Dick Clark is asking him about that and saying, is it really true that you turned down a record deal? And he kind of nods and, you know, but it, it, they were referring to that, that he wanted to produce himself. I mean, he's really somebody who knew exactly what he wanted musically just from a a very early age. Yeah. I mean, in that sense, he, he kind of uh, is a precursor to the megalomaniac behavior of like billy corgan from smashing pumpkins <laughs> and like you know yep. all these like trent reznor from nine inch nails basically people who are like i'm bigger than my band yeah but i'm also it, it's because it, it's in the name of the music that i just feel that you know i can play your part better than you like prince you know famously like re-recorded everyone's parts on like purple rain I right heard. right yeah, he seemed to like being with his band. And and part of me, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Prince being shy because I don't know if you've heard this, but they kind of, some people have linked uh, the cause of his death to his shyness, that he was taking a lot of uh, medication and, and drugs. And a lot of it was just because he was so intensely shy that it was so painful for him to meet with other people. And it, it does seem like he fits the profile of somebody who was incredibly shy but could express himself through his music. He used his music as a primary form of communication, I think. I, I read that he, he had fallen in love with Kim Bassinger. He immediately wrote like eight songs for her. <laughs> so right. like he, he became a Jehovah's Witness and he wrote like 18 songs you know, <laughs> about like, you know, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. I, yeah. So <laughs> I've heard that too, that he would he would be attracted to a singer. So he would write a number one hit for her to sing. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, he, you do get the sense that when he's with his band, he's, he's maybe enjoying that in the collaboration, but then he's probably listening back to it and thinking I can do better than everybody's, you know, on their instrument. I don't think it was just that he was a control freak, although maybe he was as a producer, but also I think it was just better than everybody. You know, if he's, I mean, if you were if you were gonna take Prince and his band and pick somebody to do the guitar solo, you'd pick Prince. And if you were gonna pick somebody to do the keyboards, you'd pick Prince. And the the singing yeah. lead vocal and harmonies and everything, you'd want Prince to to do it. So yeah. I heard this I mean, this great story that somebody asked Eric Clapton, the interviewer said, "How does it feel to be the greatest uh, living guitarist in the world?" And Eric Clapton said, "I don't know. Why don't you ask Prince?" <laughs> Okay, so let's dig in. I, I thought it might be useful. You already kind of set this up nicely with the the story of your teacher saying that we need to take these lyrics seriously, as seriously as poetry. And certainly any of, just about any pop song that gets any kind of play 
is going to be heard by more people than are going to read a contemporary poem or or any kind of poem for that matter. I mean, these are these are words that are in millions of people's ears. So it, it is worth taking seriously. And I've seen anthologies that that have lyrics like Blackbird or Imagine or Sound of Silence or or Bob Dylan's poems or I mean his lyrics as and it's all printed as poetry and there's the great example I talked about it on an earlier episode of the podcast of Sappho who uh was actually a songwriter and and her music has all been lost but her words have survived and and I think it's fair to look at Prince one of the things that I was curious about is what you think of when you read Prince on the page one of the things that's different aside from not having his vocals which is tough because like you were the the one that you mentioned you got the look he really sells that song with the way he sings it and a lot of his lyrics are like that where you without his voice it's kind of not the same and you, you almost feel like it's not fair to treat the words as words without having prince sing yeah. it he was so distinctive i i I, fa- I found that when without it stripped of the music his lyrics were hilarious yeah, yeah. and and one of the things <laughs> i found reading on the page is you know he's also got that thing going where he's he he's got the the letter two and the letter four and u is always just the the letter u instead of y-o-u and i was wondering if when you were reading the lyrics if you felt like that was an asset or a liability you know i i i think it's part of his playfulness i mean he, yeah you know i think he sometimes makes sense but sometimes he just is having fun and he he actually there's a lot more rhyming than i remember yeah um but there, there's also just just crazy metaphors like you know let's go crazy <laughs> has this line like you're on your own if the elevator tries to bring you down yep. go crazy punch <laughs> punch a higher floor <laughs> and I was like, yeah so let's <laughs> let's talk about let's go crazy because that was one of the ones that jumped out at me i mean all i have to say purple rain for me is an album it's up there with abbey road or or basically any any classic album you can think of i think it's it's just one of the great rock or pop albums of all time and it i always felt like he just poured his heart and soul into that album and all the songs on it are great in my opinion and Let's Go Crazy kicks off the album, and it kicks off with that great monologue of the dearly beloved, uh, we are gathered here today, two, two as a numeral, to get through this thing called life. And that speech at the beginning of that, it's hard to do. And I thought it was pretty well done when I looked at it on the page. And to kick off this this pop album, but there's a, a kind of a wisdom in there. And, you know, Michael Jackson and Prince for a long time were compared as who's the king of pop, you know, and, and they famously had that that sort of duel on the, I guess it was the Grammys, where Thriller and Purple Rain were both up for album of the year the same year, which is just incredible. And I was thinking of the Thriller monologue that Vincent Price delivers and I thought, you know, this just kind of spells out the difference between Michael Jackson and Prince in that those different monologues where Michael Jackson's is kind of hokey and, and kind of a joke and sort of mock serious and mock scary. And Prince, I think, is really he's pulling in. It's almost like the sound of a preacher. And it's but yet it's kind of sassy and contemporary and there's I, I like the part where it says, so when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know, the one doctor, everything will be all right. 
instead of asking them how much of your time is left, ask them how much of your mind, baby. And it, it, it goes right into your brain and, and it's clever and it's, it's very knowing. And to think that he was writing that at such a young age, um, seems like he, he was always a little bit more mature, mature beyond his years, even though he was also kind of silly at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's so catchy, you know, that, that beginning, it, it was funny. I was reading that when he died, uh, a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma replaced their, you know, how churches have like a little sign outside, usually like John three sixteen. They replaced that with the, the, those opening lyrics. Right. And, I love the fact they added the the fourth line, which is electric word light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the person had the <laughs> understood Prince well enough to like throw that in. You know, the other lyric in Let's Go Crazy that I, I didn't even know until I read it, you know, is the one, uh, let's look for the purple banana till they put us in the truck. Let's go. Um, which I have no idea what it means. And I saw some, I was trying to figure it out online and somebody's comment was like, you obviously don't know that everything he writes is, has sexual innuendo. And I thought, I still don't really get it. I, I guess the purple banana I could kind of get, but the, till they put us in the truck, let's go. I just don't, uh, I just don't get it. But, you know, of course, I've listened to the song a million times and that never stopped me or bothered me. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole purple theme is interesting because I, I read that when he was, you know, composing the music for Purple Rain, he he, he kept a purple notebook. Yeah. And, and in it, he wrote he wrote over 300 songs. Wow. Yeah. So they ended up whatever, you know, made the cut. And was recorded for Purple Rain. He had all these leftover songs. Apparently, when he died, he had you know five hundred leftover songs. Yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna be digging up songs for a long time. And apparently, they're turning uh, Paisley Park into a Graceland type museum. Which, frankly, I tend to avoid that kind of thing. But I think I would be really interested in seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know he 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 was larger than life, but at the same time, he was kind of you know, his own person, like a, a friend of mine who had done some musical, she, she she does music, the backup music for musicals that nobody really pays attention to. She was mm -hmm. on like a morning show with Prince, like back in the 90s. And she said that Prince didn't want to sit in the same green room with everybody. Right. Like he had his own little like chamber. Yeah. See, it's that shyness. Yeah. yeah. I think Purple Rain kind of gets at this. Um, and some of his deepest themes that I found really had to do with his parents. I think he he had such a uh, a rough childhood with his father. He was very uh, a jazz musician, but he was very hard on Prince. And I heard that he could never play the piano when his father was home because his father would go into a rage and say, you don't play as well as me, so get away from the piano. And then so Prince wow. basically every minute that his father was out of the house, Prince was at the piano practicing and <laughs> and people like neighbors and people started telling his father, you know, this guy's getting really good. Like your son is is amazing. And, you know, I think he was just so driven by this relationship with his father. And that's um, let's see, what was the song that oh, it was uh, When Doves Cry, where. You really see that, you know, there's that line in When Doves Cry where he says, uh, maybe I'm just too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Maybe you're just like my mother. She's never satisfied. Why do we scream at each other? 
this is what it sounds like when doves cry and it it you know that whole album and purple rain of course and and the scenes in the movie are unforgettable when his father is there and it it's uh it was really something that you get a lot out of prince's lyrics is how important the idea was to him of uh almost a fear of growing into the patterns that that one's parents set for you whenever he would feel himself becoming like his father it seemed like that was something he had to resist but he knew you know this is this is who i come from and i'm going to try to change but it's also in my blood yeah i mean that you know that that's one of the, 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 the you know i was explaining to my 11-year-old daughter what it means to be authentic in music it seems that it's so hard as you you know the more successful you are to try to be original or authentic and i feel like prince did it his way right until the very end right yeah well yeah. certainly with the with the way that he fought with the record industry and just from the very beginning where he didn't want to be produced he wanted to make the the songs himself and he really was one of the strongest advocates for you know his own music and doing things his way and and taking it off the internet if it was not something he had authorized and and uh, I think he he probably inspired a lot of musicians to you know just by the way that he took control over his own career yeah I, I read that and I was I was just remembering you know his videos like there were there were like many movies I mean they were so extravagant raspberry beret that video yeah. was was incredible and I, I read that he um he he his record company told him that he had to use um a le legitimate music video director and so he said sure and then when the music video director appeared on the set prince asked him to wait outside on a bench <laughs> while 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 prince directed the video <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, when you were talking about him being authentic and, and his authenticity, it reminded me of the story I heard that uh, Michael Jackson had written the song Bad as a duet for Prince, for him and Prince. And when Prince heard that, he just laughed and he was like, he's, you know, he's he wants me to sing on his song and the song is called Bad. And the idea of Prince, you know, who had at that point had basically fought you know, censorship and had gotten these amazingly uh, explicit lyrics already into onto the airwaves and Michael Jackson viewing him as more of a, a bubblegum, safe, mainstream kind of pop star, at least at that point, thinking, well, you're just you're just faking being bad and I actually am bad. So why, <laughs> why would, you know, I could see why you need me for the song, but I'm not going to bother singing along with you on a song like that. When, when you compare his lyrics, um, to someone like Lou Reed, I feel like, you know, the, the thing they have in common is they weren't that interested in telling a three minute story, which everyone, a, a lot of people, when they think of lyrics, they think, oh, you have to be able to tell like a, a, a succinct story and Prince would just kind of just get in your face. Yeah with some flamboyant 80s thing that interested him you know and Lou Reed would do kind of the same thing with like a late 60s early 70s like he was just gonna describe how his drug dealer was always late 
yep. and waiting, waiting for him, you know, waiting for my man. You know, th- there was no arc, there was no story, but it was just so cool to get that in a, in, in a song rather than in like a newspaper article. Right. And so much of, of Prince, it's almost like he's, he's describing a relationship and it, it usually seems like a, uh, a love that, you know, where he's accusing the lover of something, or there's so many songs like that, like little red Corvette, where he's, he's talking about an experience he had with a woman who was more than a handful or more, you know, was giving him all that, that she could, and he was trying to keep up or he was trying to assert his will. It's like sex and power is sort of, yeah. Then little red Corvette has that great line of a body like yours ought to be in jail. Cause, <laughs> cause it, Cause it's on the verge of being obscene. <laughs> Little Red Corvette is just a great. I, that might be my favorite song of his. I guess it's in the top five, probably. But it starts out with that great. I guess I should have known by the way you parked your car sideways that it wouldn't last. It was Saturday night. I guess that makes it all right. That's almost like a, a theme or an anthem for a whole kind of party lifestyle. You know, it's like a Van Halen lyric or something. Is just good at what it's trying to do. And then it kind of, for me, I was kind of disappointed to, as I got farther along in the lyrics, it's got the jail lyric. Right after that, it says, move over, baby, give me the keys. I'm going to try to tame your little red love machine, where it started to, to go off the rails a little bit for me. And then it's it's got the lyric, girl, you got an ass like I never seen. Ow. And the ride, I say the ride is so smooth, you must be a limousine. And then I thought, now we're just getting the car metaphor. It's 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 starting to, <laughs> it's starting to lose a grip on the car metaphor, Prince. Another one I wanted to look at was Raspberry Beret. And this was the one I was kind of alluding to before, where it starts out, I was working part-time in a five and dime, and I just thought, Prince... <laughs> Imagining Prince working in a, in a five and dime, but you know maybe he did. I don't know if he had a high school job or something he did when he was fifteen or something, or if he was imagining this based on something someone else told him. But it reminded me that Prince actually did live in the world rather than just in a, a lot of his his songs. It could almost be like um, it's not very grounded to anything. And the next line, my boss was Mr. McGee. He told me several times that he didn't like my kind because I was a bit too leisurely. I like this. I like that we're getting a little bit of a story here. Like you said, a lot of them are just kind of in your face. But this this is something where I was actually, I could I could picture him there in the five and dime working for Mr. McGee and the guy who says, you know, you're you're not taking this seriously enough as you as he's paying you minimum wage to like stand behind a a cash register and, and, uh, you know, check in, check out people's buying, uh, lifesavers and chewing gum and stuff. Although that one, again, it's got some excellent lyrics. And then the part where he says, says, I put her on the back of my bike and we went riding down my old man Johnson's farm, (laughs) (laughs) which again, I know he's got a big Minnesota, uh, spot, but it's really hard to picture him, you know, riding past any kind of farm, let alone uh, Old Man Johnson's. But it was good. He was digging somewhere in, in himself. I don't know if it was actually part of his past or if he was just uh, uh, giving us lyrics there that, that gave us a little bit of a different setting for what we would usually see from Prince. I, I, I took that line to be just high camp and 
and I feel like there, they, you know, they there are a, a, a lot of moments in with, with Prince where he just, you know, like he he did a a concert dressed up as the Joker, and you know, right? They, you know, he he, he I think he knew that if he couldn't like take it to another level, people would concentrate too much on what they knew about him, and he was so much about exploring, you know adolescence and stereotypes and yep so yeah i wonder there i mean i guess he had always seen as his rivals and i don't think he saw any of these people as his musical rivals but as his pop star rivals and and celebrity rivals was michael jackson madonna and bruce springsteen and you almost wonder here if he's kind of taking a, a little not a poke but just kind of mocking bruce springsteen type lyrics that he's Right, you know, born born in the USA, yeah, yeah. and you know, glory days, and think I'm going down to the well tonight, and he seems to, you know, we went riding down by Old Man Johnson's farm. These seem like things that Bruce Springsteen. They could be a Bruce Springsteen lyric where it's intensely serious, and instead for Prince, he's sort of churning it out, the same thing, but it's in that Prince way. There is a great line in there that I like though where he says, I said, now overcast days never turned me on, but something about the clouds in her mixed. I don't know if there's been a you know, singer-songwriter who wrote as many songs about women as he did. I mean, I think of Presley and, and him, really. You know, and I mean, even the Beatles just had just weird songs about, like, you know, um, submarines. And, Walruses you know. and... Yeah, it's like octopi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Prince was just, you know, it was either you're partying to try to get laid or getting laid. Yeah, you know. And I was listening to 1999, and I was thinking, you know, how how influential he must have been to all of those um, British Manchester bands, the Party People. Like he has a line, you know, if you didn't come to party, don't bother. And that's verbatim from one of the the hits "Party Hard" by the the band Pulp. Mm. And so, like, I mean, he was doing that's 1999. You know, he was capturing that you you, you shouldn't have any shame. You shouldn't be self conscious. If you're gonna party, you have to party hard. Right. You know, I read this article online that was was talking about Prince as a his protest songs and his political songs. And there was a lot more there than I had, I had expected. Although a lot of it was just a line or two in a song in the early years, it was kind of a cold war, you know, why does everybody have a bomb? And, and 1999 is kind of got that theme running through it. But then there was also, you know, just recently he was writing songs that would have lyrics about, um, police brutality and, he had, uh, you know, he he did defend women in a lot of songs, although, you know, I don't know if uh, how feminists would view Prince overall, but I think he he had and he had a lot of um, songs about civil rights and and just a lot of serious topics that were on his mind. But overwhelmingly, I think you're right. It it really was. It was about relationships. It was about beauty. It was about attraction, and it was about a lot, a lot of sex. Yeah, they, yeah there's a great line in Kiss where he, he even brings in the horoscope. He goes, 
ain't no particular yeah. sign I'm more compatible with. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, that that is such a long kind of verbose way <laughs> to, to, to declare your love. But yeah. And then he goes, I just want your extra time. Yeah. That one... Kiss is one. The vocals are so good that I feel like the words don't matter. And I kind of am giving him credit for a kind of nursery rhyme. You know, it's not easy to write nursery rhyme lyrics. I'd heard Dave Grohl said that about Kurt Cobain, where he said, I don't mean this as an insult, but he he could write a song and, and it would almost be like a nursery rhyme. And it would be, you know, something that you can remember and it's unforgettable and it's simple and it's... um it's got its own it has a kind of integrity i guess as something as simple and those lines you don't have to be rich to be my girl you don't have to be cool to rule my world it's kind of nonsense in a way it's certainly very simple but on the other hand it does say something and it it's just unforgettable yeah i mean i i think people who don't compose music have little a clue as to how hard it is to write a pop song because um, if, if you play the guitar and you try to write a song, it is really difficult right. to write a song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I have friends who are in bands and you know I hear some of their music. I, I've heard a lot of music over the years, especially like B-sides, you know, un- uncompiled songs that are discovered after a band breaks up and they're pretty bad. Yeah. And, and and so it's really hard to write a song in in that kind of compact duration. And so I I feel like Prince I mean his some of his music is like is operatic. I mean it's you know the the way when doves cry explodes. I mean that's just Yes. The lyrics are great, but the music really is so appropriate for the for the lyrics it is and purple rain is another one it's it's like let it be or bridge over troubled water it's got that gospel sound to it and it but the lyrics stand up you know it's it's got this this great beatific melody and the lyrics it would be easy to have a you know cliches and i don't know moon and june type lyrics but instead i, I find the the lines in there to be just fine and the whole metaphor of purple rain is mysterious and yet it's not mysterious you kind of know what he what he uh what he means and just the mood of it uh that comes through the lyrics and then there's the part where it's honey i know i know i know times are changing it's time we all reach out for something new that means you too you say you want a leader, but you can't seem to make up your mind. And it it's kind of a nice move, you know, from his first, he's just addressing this this woman. Um, I never wanted to be your weekend lover. I only wanted to be some kind of friend. And you think of it as this intimate thing, but then it makes this move into something broader and more important. And it kind of fits with the way the music is going at that point of the song. And it's just a very... Uh, very well done lyrics. So give him credit did, for those. Did Did you know that Purple Rain originally was, uh, I was reading this, it was 11 minutes long. Really? Yeah. And and it, it had this like subplot about discussion of money. Oh. Yeah. So there was this line, um, 
I don't even think I want your love. If I wanted either one, money or love, I would take your money. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, he was asked to take that out because it, the theme of money was deemed inappropriate. Right. Huh. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest line. Yeah. If, I, if, if I wanted either one, I would take your money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's... Let's go through, I don't know if you've been sitting on top of any of these, but I do have a, a few uh, clunkers. Not not me, not really. I mean, here he most of the Prince lyrics, you know, I, I thought flowed well together. I mean, occasionally th- there there's stuff where he meanders. He says, like, you know, my mind says prepare to fight, so if I'm going to die, I'm going to listen to my body tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I, I could probably give or take you know, I could take it or leave it you know well here's the one that I came across which I was writing a lot of no's in the margin no exclamation mark and it was the the song that he gave away to the bangles manic monday and this was a number one for the bangles and it's it's got that prince uh melody which is great. And I always liked the song more knowing that he had written it just because I like Prince. But then when I was looking at the lyrics, it reminded me of how these lyrics have always kind of gotten under my skin. And it actually starts out better than I remembered. It's six o'clock already. I was just in the middle of a dream. I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream, which is not bad. That's kind of nice. And then it says, but I can't be late because then I guess I just won't get paid. These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. <laughs> and then it gets worse. And then the the this might be the worst chorus that he's got. It's just another manic Monday. I wish it were Sunday because that's my fun day. My <laughs> I don't have to run day. And I thought you're just like doubling down. It just like each line is just making it worse. And then the next verse, have to catch an early train, got to be to work by nine. And if I had an aeroplane, I still couldn't make it on time Uh, because it takes me so long just to figure out what I'm going to wear. Blame it on the train. But the boss is already there for all the credit I was giving Prince for. uh, I was working part time in a five and dime. My boss was Mr. McGee and thinking, you know, oh maybe Prince actually had a job. This makes me think. Prince has never had a job. <laughs> yeah, the the fun day is a real. And then the part, uh, all of the nights, why did my lover have to pick last night to get down? Last night, last night. Doesn't it matter that I have to feed the both of us employments down? Like He's rhyming down with down. He tells me in his bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. It's just... I guess you just have to chalk this up to uh, he had a really catchy tune and it really didn't matter what the words were going to be. <laughs> so the last thing, I don't know if we're getting close to the end here, but the the I did want to make sure that we talked about his erotic lyrics. I don't know if we have to to recite all of them, but there's some songs that are just basically grunts and, and sexual noises. <laughs> um, and he had the, the song, I mean, darling Nikki, I think for a lot of people, at least people who were my age, 11 or 12, getting the purple rain album and darling Nikki was just a mind blowing experience and just the intensity of it. And I had heard this great story. There was this guy who wrote this 
piece after Prince passed away. And he was talking about how when he was a DJ in a strip club, he played Darling Nikki one time. And the owner, this owner of the strip club came running over and said, you got to take that off. And the guy said, the guy said, why? And he said, it's too dirty. We can't play. We can't play it. And this guy said, you know, I looked around and there's, there's naked women on poles and, uh, and I couldn't play this Prince song, uh, because it was too dirty. But then I was kind of admiring Prince for his commitment to eroticism. It wasn't something he seems to have ever outgrown. It, it was there with him all the way up until the end, just his belief in it and its importance. And it's, its validity as a subject for his songs. And then uh, somebody pointed me toward this, which made a lot of sense to me. And because, of course, he's also one of the most Christian pop stars that we've had. Like you said, he was Jehovah's Witness, and he he went door to door. Did you ever hear that? That he yeah. he went door to door <laughs> converting people or trying to convert people? It's like, knock, 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 Prince is here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he said something like, some people are kind of freaked out, but most people are cool with it. <laughs> Somebody pointed, drew my attention to the song Adore. They were making the point that in this one, and I'll read you the lyrics and then explain why I think this is sort of a key to unlock Prince, at least for me. There's, uh, It goes, when we be making love, I only hear the sounds, heavenly angels crying up above tears of joy pouring down on us they know we need each other they know you are my fix and it the idea of sex as not just this um sin or something to be ashamed of or you know if angels are are watching this couple and tears of joy they're crying tears of joy uh, i guess at how beautiful these these two are when they're making love and it it struck me that you know, Prince, I think he really saw sex as almost like a, an act of worship or, a, a you know, that it was suffused with religion or that it felt like religion or maybe that it was an act of selflessness um, similar to someone who is undergoing a religious experience or I don't know. It just seemed so connected to me. And then I realized, well, that's probably why it continued to hold its power over Prince was because he he viewed it in almost a sacred way. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was probably, you know, along with you too, the the last of the great sincere songwriters. Yeah. You know, because now it's so much as, you know, you take a band like Arcade Fire, like the the songs mean almost nothing. The the lyrics mean almost nothing. Like it's it's just a kind of like a contest of obscurity and right, you know, yeah. You know, and, and then you have you know kind of like the smart Alex, but even like the people who like when I think of Wilco and their sincerity, it's still like really bizarre stuff. You know, like a spider web being sincere and yeah, yeah. You know, no, nobody just says like you know uh, you know I lust after somebody. I was thinking too. I had heard something I hadn't thought a lot about, but I know that John Lennon had always said, you know, Paul always kind of retreats to the third person when he writes his songs. He talks about, you know, lovely Rita meter maid, or he's, he likes describing, you know, the, the nurses with the poppy tray and, and kind of painting a picture of someone else. John was, it was always a him, you know, it was always first person. It was always, 
I feel this and I'm doing this. And he wanted it more and more to be about him digging deeper into what he thought and what his mind was thinking and experiencing and everything. And Prince seems very much in the camp of first person. I can't think of a song. There probably is one that's completely about another person, but it seems like, you know, maybe sign of the times a little bit where it's kind of about the, the world, but it's pretty, um, pretty much his songs are are very much the I did this I never meant to do this I you know you I guess I should have known um he's he's giving us it's like he's he's giving us his everything or that's kind of how I feel he's he's dipping deep into himself and sharing it with us I I think you know his lyrics probably inspired a lot of people to write poetry uh, I'll throw that out there. Oh, interesting. That, that that he was so confessional and so um explicit. I think people cuz yeah. I think I feel like, you know, when you keep a journal, you know, you try to be true to yourself, but there's still that little voice in the back of your head saying, "Well, you know, that's maybe maybe you should write about this, maybe you should write about that." And I mean, Prince was prolific, but at the same time, he was also just writing everything. I mean, who can write eight songs to Kim Bassinger? Like, what, 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 what could these songs possibly say? You know, and he, he just, he just did it. So I feel like you know that that kind of fearlessness probably inspired, you know, fellow poets. That is a really good way to put it: is the fearlessness, and then, you know, that that there's this fearlessness and it's backed up by all this talent but then it's coming across with you know and i'm getting back to this uh using the letter two and the number the numeral four instead of spelling it out and it's almost like a modesty that he's he's doing as well or just putting his own imprint on on these words it's like saying this is me you know deal with it uh (laughs) this is this is me prince just deal with it Just take it. Enjoy it. It's for you. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the History of Literature. Thank you for joining me. And my thanks to Mike, El Presidente, for coming back to talk about the lyrics of Prince. You know, still undecided. Some generations have Bob Dylan, John Lennon, Who's the voice of our generation? I don't know. Maybe it's Prince. If it is, I'll take it. I'll take it. Ah, R.I.P. Prince, you will be missed. You can find more History of Literature at historyofliterature.com or my personal website, jackwilson.com. That's J-A-C-K-E, wilson.com. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, rank us, rate us, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us an email at jackwilsonauthor at gmail.com, or leave a comment at the blog, jackwilson.com. going to do it. We'll be back next time. I've got some interesting programs lined up. We're going to be talking about good and evil with a professor of Italian, an expert in 
the Enlightenment, and Italian detective fiction. We've also got an episode on Javier Marias coming up. Excellent author. If any of you aren't familiar with him, you should check out his books. Or you can wait until our episode. We'll give you some good recommendations. Also, I have an episode on Augustine coming up. We'll get back to our journey, the history of literature. I hope you enjoyed the New Testament uh, sorry, the New Testament episode with Professor Kyle Kiefer. That one was very popular. Smashed records. Felt a little bit like Mel Gibson, minus the anti-Semitism and the drunken rants, or the star power, the movie career, minus just about everything about Mel Gibson, except the part where he found out that Christian things are very popular. Okay, that's going to do it. I'm Jack Wilson. Thanks again for joining me, and we'll see you next time.